Today, how to raise successful, confident daughters. This is the Seven Figures Podcast Smart Money Strategies for Women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand. And Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. From the day our babies are born, we pray that we are going to do a good job raising them. We constantly have the battle in our head to either allow them to fall or swoop in and rescue them just before they hit the ground. The great thing about women, about fellow moms, is their willingness to help each other out, to offer up guidance and wisdom. So today, Cindy Weiss, the founder of Breathe Yoga, and her daughters, Carly and Abby, join the conversation. Thank you all for being here. Oh, thank thank you. Now, Cindy, when we first met at your studio at Breathe Yoga, man, we hit it off like we've been friends forever. I know. (laughs) We were talking about how to manage stress. You were giving me great parenting advice. You were telling me how you started the business and how Carly and Abby are helping you grow the business. And I walked out and I was like, I need a little more Cindy in my life. (laughs) We all do. Uh Because I'm such a like a kind of person. And you're like, ah, just relax. And I love it. So you're going to help all of us because I think this is really important. I think a lot of women, a lot of moms, you feel this guilt. Am I doing enough for my kids? What should I be doing? You know, how can I raise successful kids, specifically daughters in this case? But Before we get there, what is your money story? What is your relationship with money, Cindy? I am so glad you're asking me that question because it comes up every now and then because I run a business. And I honestly thank uh, my parents so much for setting me up with such a comfortable relationship with money. I was definitely not born with a silver spoon in my mouth, for sure. But at the same time, I've always learned that money is meant to go around. So I use it like that. I don't hang on to it. It's not like I'm, um, you know, like a spendthrift or something like that. I mean, but to me, it's money. Money brings access to things and to opportunity and to change and to flow. And so I really I just kind of use it as a currency to make things happen. So did they, when you were younger, did they have these sit-down discussions, talks like, hey, here's what you need to do? Or did you just kind of learn it by watching them? Um, We didn't have sit-down talks for sure. We had little nuggets like, um, you know, quality is more important than quantity. Mm. Money makes the world go around. And um, anything, you know, worthwhile is probably worth investing in whether it be time or money. So those are the kind of things that they instilled in me. It was never like a sit-down conversation about it. And and that's really how I run the money side of my life is like, is it worth it to me? Is it something I truly value? If it is, I actually don't care how much it costs. It could cost a little or a lot. If it has value to me, I really don't care about the price tag. I'll figure it out. This is like a, an almost a new quote-unquote trend, the minimalist mindset. Don't have an abundance of items, but yet... Quality items. Mm-hmm. Is that more of what you align with? I no, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a minimalist. Um, like, for example, every year I take myself to Mexico. There's a quiet place south of Cancun called Tulum. I go there for one, two, three weeks sometimes. And I don't really care how much it costs me to go there. The value of me going there is immeasurable. 
I always come home with a million ideas. Mm. My mind is clear. My my energy's re- rebooted. It doesn't matter how much it costs me to go because people say, oh, I can't afford to go away for a week. I'm like, I can't afford not to. So you just budget. I Maybe look at not. what I value okay. versus what I think something costs in dollars and cents. There are a lot of things that don't cost any money at all that I highly value. Um, yesterday was my day off. I spent it with my daughters and my two grandsons. It doesn't cost me a penny and I highly value it. Going to Mexico cost me some money, but the value of it is far more um, important to me than the dollars it cost me to go. I hear a lot of people say, um, start your day with what you're grateful for. I think one of the things that's important is to get clear on what you value. It's very, very easy to get caught up in the day-to-day emotions of what we do. We get up, we look at our schedule, we just get going. And I mean, every now and then you have to pause and say, is this really what I want to spend my life doing is this and not my whole life, but my life right now. You know, I was never a big fan of the question, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? If I had answered it um, back when I was young, I honestly wouldn't be doing any of the things I'm doing. And so I've never really placed a lot of value on that question. But I do continually come back um, periodically to like, am I happy? Does my life feel the way I want it to feel? Am I putting my my resources, my time, my money and my attention in the places that make me happiest, mm. I do really reevaluate that periodically. Now, it's so fascinating how siblings, you grow up with the same parents in the <laughs> same household, with the same lessons being taught, but sometimes siblings have a totally different uh, takeaway. So for both of you guys, Carly and Abby, what is that big lesson that you learned from mom? I think that we definitely took away from my mom that... Um, money is fluid, that sometimes there's more of it and then sometimes there's less of it. Sometimes things cost more, sometimes things cost less. But I think Abby and I both have a similar relationship to money that my mom has. We learned it from her. She learned it from her parents that we're not um, necessarily like constrictive with it. Mm. We don't really hold on to it. I mean, we save, I'd say like between Abby and I, I'm probably a little more of a saver than Abby is. Although Abby's good at saving too. I don't know. Um, uh, We just, I I think my takeaway from my parents is that money's fluid. And like at the times in your life when you feel like you don't have as much, um, then it it will, it will wave in the other direction and there'll be a time where there's more that's coming in. So the times when it feels, yeah, when there's times that it feels like there's not as much, like I'm, you know, starting a family, I feel like there's not as much, you know, as when I was just single and just, Fending for myself. Now that I have a family, I I don't feel like I have those days are gone. Yeah, those honey. days are there long is gone. No yourself and yeah, no. So I, I feel you know I'm more conscious, but I try not to get um, like bound by it or afraid of it. I'm just like right now, I don't spend as much as I did, and I feel like at some point, like that will wave in the other direction. Oh, I like that. So it's just that more, I think that it's more fluid. Yeah, some of the stress too, the money stress that mm-hmm. we carry. If you are thinking in your mind, okay, this this will not last forever. As long yeah, as everything, everything waves. I mean, everything in life does. It's always up and down. And so the times where it feels like it's down, then there will be a time where it's more up. <laughs> so that's yeah. how I look at it. That's I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I think that for me, 
my biggest takeaway with my mom with, and, and my dad really is watching their work ethic um, is something that I really, whether I knew it or not, I really paid attention to. And they both have, my mom in particular, such an entrepreneurial spirit that money to me, I just feel like if you have a certain worth work ethic, my mom can make a business out of anything. And so for me, money is just, it's, it's related to like, where you see opportunities and she sees opportunities in everything to make a business, to make money. Um, and so because I think that way, I just feel like money will always be accessible if I have um, the creative idea, the work ethic behind it. I can, I can make money in many different ways. It doesn't have to be a nine to five job. And that was never her experience either, was a nine to five job that was Monday through Friday, that she had Saturdays and Sundays off. It wasn't it wasn't that ever in my childhood. And so I think that when you broaden your um, vision of like what's possible, money seems more accessible. So you're not working for the money specifically. You're just working for the love and the passion. Yeah. And the then money the money follows. follows. And I think the ideas of like what's po- you can make money in many, many, many different ways. And I think that when you really like open up your peripheral vision of like what's possible, where you can make money and the like the passion behind it, that's a much stronger. um, I don't know. I think it makes you less afraid of like where money will come from. I really believe that I could make money doing anything because I really believe in my work ethic um, and my work ethic 100 percent comes from my mom and my dad. Now, growing up, and I think this is something that weighs heavy on a lot of parents, the guilt, the mama guilt, when you do work a lot and you hear it from the kids, because sometimes the kids are just overdramatic just to grab your attention, right? You're always working. Mm -hmm. Do you ever remember thinking or saying that to mom? And what was your response to them if, if you did? Growing up, no. I mean, I feel like either I don't remember, um... I just feel like when my mom and my dad, we did so many things as a family, more often than not, we were eating dinner together. Mm. It didn't mean that they weren't doing things and we weren't didn't have after school activities. But like when we were together as a family, I just feel like our time together really was very present, which now as a mom, like my generation, my parents didn't have cell phones. My parents didn't have, you know, DVR. My parents didn't have computer like we didn't have a computer at our house growing up. And so, like, there wasn't as much distraction. Yeah. Um, and so I really feel like my time growing up in my childhood, it was it was very present. But that doesn't mean that they weren't, you know, what we weren't paying attention to was them passing the baton. You know, my dad coming home, my mom leaving, my mom coming home, my dad leaving. But our time together really was potent and special. And um, And when they weren't there, like, my mom's mom was, she was kind of the one, like, filling in. And that was, and we didn't even notice that my parents were gone. <laughs> did you feel, so you did a great job, but did you ever during those years feel the mama guilt, the guilt of, oh gosh, I am working a lot? Yeah. They make it sound like I, and you really don't, don't be mistaken. I was not some perfect mom. Um, and well, I don't have sound it right now. <laughs> and I'm not so chill right now either, as you, you know, as it may come across to you. But um, I think that what I was always doing was um, because I'm I've been entrepreneurial my whole life. I've never actually had just one job. I've always had multiple little things that I'm patching together. So I think my biggest 
um, stressor that may have like I wondered, like, am I pulling this off or are my kids watching how much I run from place to place to place mm-hmm. to place and thing to thing? Um, apparently they didn't really they weren't too affected by it. But I think that that's the only thing that I would have thought, you know, um, do they realize that when I'm when they're going to school, I'm going to work when they're going to a play date. I'm going back to school. I'm taking classes when they're home eating dinner with dad. I'm out like teaching an aerobics class or whatever I was doing in that decade. Um, So all that was happening. But I think that there was a consistency that Abby described. I mean, we really did eat dinner together and we did spend our time together as a family. So um, it seems like it worked out. And it does show even you, your perception of it and you saying when you were living it, you were kind of questioning, am I always away? Maybe it's the guilt that we bring on ourselves where our kids really probably aren't noticing. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. We are just over exaggerating our own guilt that we got to just chill out. But then the time that you have with your family, with the kids, like you said, you value that and be present. Yeah, there's that saying like guilt is a wasted emotion, right? Yes, That's a good I'm one. I'm telling you, though, it's pumping through my veins. <laughs> you got to get it out of me, Cindy. <laughs> and the thing is, though, and this is just really something that I live by, is that when I hear myself saying something that I don't really want in my life, then I have to quit saying it. Because whatever I'm saying and like whatever words I'm putting out there, I am just like just driving that groove in deeper. So I try to be careful of like what I let myself think and say, because I realize that the more I run that pattern in my mind and in my in my verbiage, the deeper I'm ingraining it. So it's like instead of me saying like, oh, I feel so guilty, I'll have to like switch my paradigm a little bit and say, I, I feel like I'm setting a great example of anything's possible. Mm-hmm. And if I actually see it through that that filter and present it that way and actually believe it myself, then the way it comes across is really different. And the way I feel about it's really different too. Yeah. When you were starting your business, Breathe Yoga, which take us through the phases of it because it has grown so much since day one. First, it was a place for yoga. Did it start there? Or did it start with the juice bar? It actually started, um, it was meant to be a hobby. And it was meant to be, I I envisioned it like 4th of July fireworks finale. So the pieces of my prior career, I was just going to put them all together under one roof. So the juice bar, I had been a registered dietitian for 20 years at that time. So that, that was my nutrition piece. I started yoga when I was 12 years old. My mom introduced me. And I didn't start teaching yoga until I opened Breathe in 2002, but like, okay, that comes genuinely. I was um, partners in a retail business for a dozen years before I opened Breathe. So to me, it was really not some great brainstorm. It was really like, what do I know how to do? What do I like? And can I just put it all together? And um, that way I'll know, I'll know that I feel like I'm in my groove doing something that I feel confident about and also happy doing. That's how the concept came together of yoga, juice bar, retail boutique. And it started off really small in Pittsburgh as just a little place that I was going to have a hobby while my kids grew up and went to college and my husband continued to travel for his job. And um, it really took on a life of its own. I love that, though, right there, that you were just thinking, what am I going to do when I'm an empty nester? Yeah. Because I think a lot of women think that. And it wasn't like 
like what's out there existing that I can go like cram myself into. It was like, what do I love? What do I want my life to feel like? What am I good at? And that's how I came up with the concept of breathe. And it's because of that that I felt really aligned with what I was doing and happy and passionate about it. That's why it grew. And because that's always been the underlying current of the growth of Breathe is like, what do we want to do? What would excite us? What would be fun? What can we do? Like, what are we good at? That's always been the what has been directed, the growth. Now we have seven locations and, you know, across Rochester and Syracuse. But what's great is like that, that baseline is what's created the success of the business and the money, right? The money comes from that. If I had looked the other way around and thought, like, how can I make money and have successful business? I mean, who knows? I could be selling cell phones somewhere or something. I mean, I could be doing something so unrelated to what I care about. And I wouldn't be making money and I wouldn't be successful because underneath it, I would just be in the grind of doing a job for a paycheck. You're just working to work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the key really is and has always been for me and continues to be is like, I keep checking in, like, am I happy? Like, what do I want my life to feel like? And over the last 17 years that I've had Breathe, I mean, I've gone from being uh, uh, a young adult to, you know, I mean, having, you know, like teenagers to now I'm a grandmother. So each I check in periodically with myself because I know that I'm changing. So therefore, what my life should feel like or what I'd want it to feel like is also changing. So as I keep directing, running my ship of breathe from what I want my life to feel like, I have to keep changing breathe Mm -hmm. so that I'm sure that I'm showing up um, still feeling like totally psyched about what I'm doing. Yeah, and passionate Mm -hmm. about it. Cindy Weiss, founder of Breathe Yoga, and her daughters, Carly and Abby, are here. More great mama advice for us, how to raise successful daughters. But first, Seven Figures is presented by Family First Credit Union. From personal banking to business services and home loans, their number one priority is finding a solution that works for you locally. Cindy, Carly, Abby, Breathe Yoga has developed into this Massive. Would you even say a yoga empire? I mean, it kind of is. I would never say that, but if you, <laughs> we'll it freaks it me you. out when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but it started off as this idea of, hey, here's a hobby that I want to take interest in once the girls move out of my house to now you're franchising it. You're expanding what you offer by adding Breathe at Home, and that was just recently, right, in November? So, but it, it all is coming from, like, why? We yeah. don't do something and then figure out, like, okay, how are we going to justify it? It's more like, all right, what's, what's, what's missing? Mm. What are people asking for? What do we feel like we want to do for our own self-development? Like, what would be fun? That's what drives the growth. How much did it take for mom to convince you guys to stay and help her grow this business? Did she have to twist your arm and be like, come on, girls? I almost feel like we had to ask to come back in some (laughs) ways. I mean, I personally didn't feel pressure to come back. I wanted to come back. Um, Cindy, when you and I were talking, this is the one thing that I was like, oh, gosh, I got to learn a lot from Cindy because you said you just let them go. And that is so hard for me to do. Mm. <laughs> was it hard for you to let them move out of I mean, Rochester? We're talking because you moved to where? New York. I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, I did an internship in New York City by myself when I was a sophomore in high school. You and, did not. Yes, I lived in a hotel for a month. <laughs> Cindy! But this, I know. And I, <laughs> I ask her, now that I'm a mom, I ask her a lot, like, weren't you? how did you let me do that? I mean, especially like now that I'm an adult, I can see what an interesting, like, weird thing that was. But I think for my parents, like, they gave us, even, even down to high school and a curfew, they gave us, like, they set this, foundation of trust and they gave us freedom and I think that Carly and I both never wanted our freedom to go away so we never like overstepped our boundaries so even though we didn't have a curfew we were home at an appropriate time we were home when everybody else was home I never wanted to push too far to get my freedom taken away and so whether they knew it or not like I don't know if it was a strategy on their part but they gave us enough freedom that and trust that they really did trust us, that we never took advantage of it. I mean, neither one of us were, you know, girls that would have parties at our parents' house when our parents were out of town. Like, we never we never did that because we didn't want our freedom taken away. And so I think that when, when you, like, if they would have held on too tight, I feel like that's when we would have tried to mm-hmm. bust, bust mm-hmm. out of, like, their containment. So that oh, freedom boy. really did work. It, for our personalities, it worked really well for us. We didn't want to overstep the line. Cindy, in high school, New York City, really? I know. <laughs> you know, um, well, my parents had a similar thing when I was growing up. I mean, I didn't have a curfew. They trusted me. That kind of trust relationship is a trial and error. Now, had we given them no curfew and given them all this freedom and they abused it, then we would have had to like really lay down the law. But each time we would give them a little bit more of a leash, they would they would show up in a way that made us say like, okay, they were ready for that. And then we'd give them a little bit more of a leash. Um, with the New York thing, that was interesting. What happened was um, Abby was very interested in going to the Fashion Institute in New York. And Abby wasn't a great student in high school. Let's just say that. I will say now she's like, of all my employees, I consider Abby my smartest business partner. She just is. But she, in high school, couldn't uh, pass a test to save her life. Correct? Correct. Okay. So when she wanted to go to the Fashion Institute in New York, I knew that she was going to need a way to get in there. It wasn't going to be her transcript. That was not going to help. So she had, I knew a friend there who um, randomly in conversation said that they had their friend was the owner of this large fashion house in New York, um, Nicole Miller Fashion. And uh, he said, you know, I could get your daughter an internship. And I said, wow, that internship would certainly help her her application. Got on the phone right then. He said, all right, it's done. Oh, my. And he thought at that time that she was a sophomore in college, not oh high God. school. <laughs> but meanwhile, we said, okay, we've got the opportunity. We got to take it. And, and we just started trying to figure it out. When you're a sophomore in high school, you can't find any housing in New York. You can't stay at any of the universities because you're not 18 years old. So my husband and I literally had to find a hotel and pay night by night. We did strike a deal for the summer. And Abby kept her money downstairs at the front desk in a safety deposit box. I didn't have a credit card. So I just had cash that I would take out every single week, like from my safety deposit box. Oh, this is wild. Yeah. What an experience, though. But I mean, what like what I had mentioned before about my work ethic, when I, so the last day of my internship, 
they took me out for a drink. Now, meanwhile, when they scheduled this, they're like, we didn't, we totally forgot, like, you're not even 21. I mean, I wasn't even 18. I was 16 years old. So I went out for a Diet Coke, basically. And they told me that the day before I showed up for my internship, it was basically like an office joke. They were just, everyone was passing my resume around because no one wanted to take me on as an intern. I was so young. So, but what they told me was that like at the end of the internship, they were actually all fighting for me. I mean, I did everything for them, whatever they, nothing was, that's the work ethic that I carry now is like, nothing is beneath me. I will do whatever needs to be done whenever it needs to be done. And I did that then from watching my parents and I still do that now. I mean, there's, there's nothing you have to be able in a business to do all of it. And so if you don't know how to plunge the toilet, then why would you be able to go on like the fancy buying trip? You've got to be able to do all of it. Um, And so that internship was like, it was, I mean, I called the third day saying like, I want to come home. I don't want to do this. But by the end of it, like that was a huge, um, that was such an amazing growth opportunity for me that if she would have held on too tight for me, like I would have never had the opportunity to do it. Yeah. To let them go. Mm-hmm. And then did you sit? Come on, be honest now. They graduate from high school. They go away. Tell me you weren't praying that they would come back like they did. Sandy, <laughs> honestly, I, I prayed the day I pushed out my kid. I'm like, you will come back tomorrow. <laughs> and you will move walking distance honestly, from my house. <laughs> I never... I never in a million years thought that once they graduated from college, they moved to New York and then Carly moved to Los Angeles. I never thought they would move Can back you go to any Rochester. Farther, by the way, why <laughs> no. you be in China? Right. <laughs> I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure that I that I knew for certain that Rochester is where I wanted to be. So I feel like I had to cross a bunch of things off my list that I knew, like, okay, Rochester is actually that's where I want my home to be. So I had to like really try it out where it's like Abby's a little bit more like certain on her decisions. I I take much longer. So I had to cross some things off my list. Well, thank God you guys moved back. We love Rochester. I can't imagine us being apart. Um, We really have like it's I remember having um, a a national presenter come to breathe and uh, several years ago and She's stayed at our house and um, at the end of her stay, she said, honestly, one of the reasons that I came to present was because I watched you guys from afar and I thought this can't be the real deal. They can't actually <laughs> like each other as much as it looks like to the outside world. And she said, but you do. And I'm like, yeah, actually we do. So we are very, very fortunate and we're, I don't think that we take it for granted ever. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm happy they went away and they grew. And as Carly said, check things off their list. And I'm very, very happy that they came back. Yes. Yes. Because it's so you have to be close to your mom when you have your babies. I'm super grateful for that oh, now. I don't too. I don't know how I would have a baby without family. I just and I wouldn't want to. I just it's so special to be able to have, you know, just a random Tuesday night dinner with my mom, and my dad or my sister and have my son grew up with his grandparents and his aunt and uncle and so yeah I'm I'm so grateful that I'm we here. are very fortunate for yeah. the women who are listening that are far away or yeah you know, that's tough you make it work right yeah. no matter what life throws at you you'll make it work but yeah so we feel lucky about that yeah what are some final words that you can give 
wisdom for someone who feels like, oh, I don't have my bearings straight. I, I, I feel like I need more control in my life. You know, whether it be their finances aren't where they want it to be or at work, it's not how they want it to be. What's the all-encompassing rule? I think that for me, the best advice that I would give someone else is the same thing I give myself. And that is, you know, periodically pause and get clear. Like, check in. Like, what is it that you even want? You know, if we just keep doing the same thing that we always did, we we're changing as we go through our life. And so what I wanted 20 years ago is not what I want now. And so I have to periodically step out, pause and check in, like what would make me happy right now? And then align with that. What, what, what do I need to give up? What do I need to step into? Um, I think that's, I think that's the best advice because, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days a week and none of us are going to live forever. So this really applies to every human being is if we get on this monorail of life and we never stop and really pause and say like, okay, am I, am I still happy? Am I, am I fully vital, passionate, alive, like loving what I'm doing? And if not, what needs to change? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a worthwhile question. Yeah, that's great advice because you're right. The monorail of life, you just, you almost don't think you have time to stop mm-hmm. and reevaluate. And you don't have time not to. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm turning 60 this year and that number kind of blows my mind, to be honest, because and then I've, I think that people feel that at every decade that you get older, you think it's not possible that you could possibly be that old. But at the same time, I mean, I do know that there's more life behind me than there is in front of me and I don't want to waste my time. And the only way I can make the best use of my time is to be very diligent and clear about where I choose to put my attention. If I get if I put my attention on what I don't like, what's not working, where I don't want to be, I mean, that's that's my choice where I put my attention. No one else can control that but me. So I want to be really clear about where I want to put my attention. And then, therefore, that's driving my own ship of happiness. Cindy, Carly, Abby, thank you so much for being here today. Thank, well, thank you for you. having us. so fun. See, we all need a little Cindy in our life. Okay, next week on the Seven Figures podcast, a single dad of three boys, what he is doing, and it's pretty remarkable what he's doing to get out of $200,000 worth of debt. He truly will inspire you. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will check back in next Friday. Cheers to being financially confident women. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at Sandy at RochesterBuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the 7 Figures podcast. Smart money strategies for women.